You're listening to episode 66 of Scaling Up. Welcome to Scaling Up with personal brand and freedom stylist, Elizabeth Hartke. Each week, Elizabeth brings you the tools you need to create a life of true freedom and fulfillment by scaling and monetizing your personal brand. Get clarity, become a leader in your field, and make an impact that pays. Grab your favorite healthy smoothie or beer, and let's get to the show. You guys are going to obsess over today's conversation I had with Kurt Mercadante. I'm obsessing over it, okay, because it's so in alignment with what we preach here at Scaling Up, like with what we are bringing out into the world to help you guys build not just the businesses of your dream, but making sure you're building the business that supports the vision. Kurt is a speaker, a trainer, an author, and he works directly with people to help them become more productive in their business, to be more profitable, and to make sure that everything is in alignment. Like you're not just making more money because he's personally experienced the hardship, honestly, of building an incredible business based on the financials, but hating it. So how can you make sure that you are continually scaling a business that speaks to you? How can you make sure that you're growing your finances and you're being smart about how you're scaling and it allows you to do more of what you love, be with who you love? Like this is what we're talking about. So he's a father of four. He's a busy guy and he only works like 12 to 15 hours a week. So to me, that's typically evidence of the fact that he has a vision for his life and he's standing by that value system and he's built a business that supports the value system. So you're going to be excited to hear from Kurt because he gives some really specific tangibles and some takeaways that you can apply to your life and your business right now to make that pivot and ensure that you're growing and scaling the way that you should be. Make sure you also go to the show notes and snag for free the first chapter of Kurt's book. It's called The Five Pillars of the Freedom Lifestyle, and you're gonna love it. All right, let's get to the show. Okay, Kurt, so I think this conversation is long overdue because Uh what we're talking about today is it's just a battle that so many of our listeners are facing, getting stuck on that you know, hamster wheel, not seeing the real productivity that they want to see in their businesses and their lives. So I'm excited to have you on the show. Welcome. Well, yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's exciting. And, and you know, anyone who likes to talk about scaling, I like to talk to. So. <laughs> <laughs> Amen to that. I'm all about it. So you are an author, speaker, trainer, a dad, four kids, right? Yes, yes. yes four kids. Awesome. So like a bajillion children. (laughs) I'd love to hear more about the journey getting here because I think what a lot of people see is maybe where you are today. But I love kind of lifting our entrepreneurs and our business owners and our people running their own personal brands up by getting a little glimpse behind the curtain of the journey to get there and that reminder that it's like, no, 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 this didn't happen overnight. What kind of led you down this path and why, why are you now so focused on empowering people in the areas of productivity, of profitability, those different things? Yeah, thanks. So, you know, I had always, since I can remember, wanted to be an entrepreneur. I didn't like school, hated school, always wanted to start my own business. When I went to college, I think my senior year, my roommate and I, jokingly, although I think we had a pretty accurate scientific method of figuring out that I went to about 19% of my classes. I went to the University of Iowa but I worked a lot. I had internships. I worked for one of the professors who had a public opinion research company. And that's where I learned everything. That's where I traced back my career. I moved it forward in the summers. I didn't just hang out at the pool. I always worked. I did internships. And when I came out, 
I wanted my own company right away, right? But I worked in the nine to five, did some of the corporate grind. And I worked in public relations, public affairs, was out in DC, worked for some trade associations. The bug really got me. We were living in DC at the time, my wife and I, and she got pregnant. My dad wasn't doing that well back in Illinois. And I said, you know what? Let's move back. Let's go back and I'm going to start my own business. Everyone's like, well, you haven't been a president of anything. You haven't even been a vice president of everything. What are you going to start? I said, I don't care. And I started and I got four clients right off the bat. And I did really well financially. Kept growing, kept growing, kept going. I was making uh, mid six figures. And about four or five years into it, I was, I hated it. Mm -hmm. Even though I worked from home, I had freelancers basically around the country. I didn't see my wife at that point. By that point, we had two kids. I was overwhelmed. I was frustrated. I didn't like it. I found myself not liking my clients, getting angry, waking up in the morning with a sense of anxiety because what I had done was I listened to what I like to call the hustle and grind pornographers that are out there. That <laughs> yeah. are out. It's all about brute strength, motivation, beat your head in the wall, sleep when you're dead. And so I did that. I didn't sleep. I didn't see my family. Even though I worked from home, I was about 45 pounds heavier than I am now. I was on prescription drugs, hated it. I was like, I'm not going back to an office job. So I fired half my clients. I raised my prices. And the next year, I pushed my revenue over a million dollars. And it kept growing and growing and growing. And so I had built some time freedom. I built some financial freedom. But in 2012, my dad passed away. And my dad was my hero. And he worked on the space program, worked for defense contractors, designed all the switches on the Boeing 777. And when he passed away, it was interesting. He had this incredible career. And I'm sitting there, my hero, these grown men, 80-year-old men, tears in their eyes talking about my dad. Not a one person mentioned anything my dad did in his career. It was all about father, husband, volunteer at the church, all these cool things. Now, to be sure, the first part of my dad's life, he was about the grind. You know, my parents would always tell stories about how he missed my birth. And when he went to pick up my mom at the hospital, she had to get after a C-section, emergency C-section, she had to get in the back of a van with me and in the van, my dad was conducting a meeting with his advisors. Oh my goodness. You know, so that was my dad. He lost his job uh, mid, er, well, about 83, 84. I was about nine or 10. And it completely reinvented him because he learned to be home when he was unemployed. Actually got a newspaper route that they would wake me up at four in the morning to deliver newspaper. I mean, my dad was in his mid fifties. This guy was like president of fortune 500 companies, right? And so he learned that what he was doing was not sustainable. And then he became an entrepreneur at age 55, up through like 75. So back at his wake, I decided, listen, my hero set the example. I wasn't living up to the example. I'm going to make a change. And so, of course, I did absolutely nothing. <laughs> and I kept living because I was cashing the check. I felt guilty that I didn't feel, feel fulfilled. I was doing what the man was supposed to do, right? I was working hard. I was putting my head down. I was sacrificing for my family. We had a great house. We had a nice car and a nice neighborhood and all that. Kept having kids until finally several years ago, I woke up. It was Thanksgiving week. I was supposed to have the week off. My clients knew it. My team knew it. That didn't stop my clients from emailing, from calling, hop on this conference call. Send us this report. We got that meeting next week. And I woke up on Tuesday morning and I said, I'm done. And I went to my wife. I said, I'm done. And people asked me like, well, why didn't you just take the next six months and set it up to sell it? And I said, because I should have started that five years before and I didn't. And there came a point when I said, I'm done like today. I fired my clients and I had been side hustle coaching, realized I loved doing that. 
and I want to help people. I mean, if you go back, there's a lot I, I skipped over, over a probably from that four year period through the time I shut it down, anxiety attacks so bad that I was rolling around in the fetal position, like wishing I could be taken to the hospital and like the alien taken out of my stomach, you know, so bad that I would tell my wife, get the kids out of the house. I can't even stand hearing them. Prescription drugs, all these things, not addiction, but anti-anxiety, things to help my, you know, and it came down to the fact that often we try to change environment. You know, we moved to South Carolina for the weather. I love it here. Didn't fix it, right? You try to change these superficial things instead of looking at the foundation of your house. You fix the roof, you throw a fresh coat of paint on, change the windows, and you're like, I still don't like this house. What's wrong? I feel guilty about it because the foundation wasn't actually strong. And so the reason I do what I do is to help people to pull them out of the matrix that I was in so they can then look back, become a, almost a third party observer of their life and say, like, what the hell am I doing here? Make changes to actually move toward fulfillment, which includes freedom, but isn't just money. It's where those, you know, your relationships, your self-care, yes, and your work and money are all flowing in alignment. So yeah. That's kind of the long story. <laughs> so what a gift your father gave you in that example. And in true childlike fashion, you chose to wait multiple years to listen to your parents. Yes. Like I'm witnessing now in my own children. But, you know, that, that shift in him ultimately ended up becoming a shift in you that led you more into your purpose and, and your calling. I think right now I, I talk all the time to people in the entrepreneurial space. The struggle is almost across the board, where they're battling this frustration of feeling like I'm not producing enough or I'm not making the amount of money I want to make. So I have to hustle harder. Like that's always the solution. And what I often will work with them on is taking the vision that they have for their future, breaking it down into something more tangible, and then looking at what they think is actually going to get them there. Because just having a vision and then working really hard doesn't mean that they will ultimately meet. Like the dots don't necessarily connect. You can work really hard in the totally wrong direction and be even further from your dream than you were when you were grinding away in a nine to five that you hated. So I'm 100% with you. You're speaking my language. And I'm curious since conveniently, this is your wheelhouse. Uh, why do you think this is such a common struggle? Like what are we preconditioned to this? Have we just been like beat over the head with you just have to work harder and harder? What is it that's like, why is this so freaking common? I think that, you know, 95% of our days are controlled by our subconscious. You know, if you're walking down the street, you're not telling yourself, move my foot, move my foot. You're not telling yourself, breathe. You're not telling yourself, blink. That's your subconscious. Your subconscious is the computer program that's been programmed into you since you were born, right? 5% is your conscious. Like, oh, hey, I need to get on this podcast right now. Or, hey, I got to do this for work and all that. And often we try, you know, the reason the gyms are full in January is that everyone gets motivated and it's willpower. And yeah, we're going to go, go, go. Well, that's your conscious. You're trying, you're, you know, you're trying to go. Your subconscious is that programming that is programmed to have you eat the chips, sit down, don't go to the gym. It's cold outside. And the thought of cold fuels an emotion and a chemical reaction in me, which says, no, draw away from the cold. I'm not going to do it, right? So we're programmed that. We're programmed from, we may have parents who are, I use the term affectionately, scarcity pimps. They'll never amount to anything. Just be happy with what you have. They bastardize the term gratitude to mean just be happy with what you have when that's really, thank you for my gifts. Now I'm going to go use them. In school, you know, I think our schools were meant to pop, I, I don't think, I know the way they 
our modern schooling system is to pop out paycheck getters instead of paycheck providers. It's kind of a factory model, militarized model that started actually in Prussia back last century where we have this militarized system. We need to pop people out for the industrial revolution, pop out more bots. So you got to do this and that, get into the better school and the better college. And then you do that. That's the key and major in finance and go to finance. And I know so many people who get to 45 and they're like, I'm living the life that my parents told me to live or my school told me to live or TVs told me to live or whatever told me to live. And I'm miserable. Well, why'd you go into finance? Because they said go into finance and you'd be happy. And I'm not happy. I've always wanted to do this. So you're fighting all that programming in your life. The good news is you can reprogram, but the hard work, you hit the nail on the head. Talk about vision. The hardest work, a lot of people here, like Tony Robbins, love Tony Robbins, and people say massive action. What they don't understand is the first and perhaps, and not perhaps, the first and most important massive action you can take is to get off the proverbial couch and do the hard work of defining your vision. Because there's some people who just don't get off the proverbial couch and they just marinate in their BS, right? That's one problem. If someone is taking the action to listen to this podcast, they're probably not in that, in that category. But you know what is almost as bad are people who just hear action and they just start throwing stuff against the wall, seeing what's going to stick. And they do that for five years and they're like, well, I tried everything. Doesn't work. I'm going to give up. They don't have that vision from where you reverse engineer, which is so important. You can't plan to it. You got to define that guidepost, that destination where you want to go and reverse engineer it. Like you said, connect the dots. You can't do that moving forward. You can only do it doing backward. And that hard work is to every day put yourself, you know, I'm a big fan of meditation affirmation where you actually put yourself in the future that you actually want to live. So you actually make your future a reality. So then you can almost trick yourself into connecting the dots to it when, when reality you're connecting them backwards. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And I think you know, this is not just something you do at the beginning of the journey. Like this is a continual process that you kind of kind of have to come back to. This is something that I do quarterly is making sure that the things that I'm launching, the people that I'm working with, it's all in alignment with that vision. Because it's easy to get out of alignment. It's easy to be off course just a little bit and then it catches up with you with time. And I think a big thing that I'm seeing the pattern, especially with a lot of the entrepreneurs that I work with and mentor is that there are things that they want to implement and do to change their reality because they don't, like you said, like they get to this point where they're like, crap, I just built a business that I hate and I'm working right. with people that I don't even want to work with. I have no time for my family or any of the things that I value. So they're like, okay, I identified that. I'm self-aware enough to know like this. I don't want this to be my reality. I want to make a pivot, but I don't have the capacity or I'm too busy to make that pivot because right now I've stacked myself with so many clients or mm -hmm. so many speaking engagements or so many things that require me that if I take my foot off that gas pedal, I'm risking, I'm deeply risking like my income for my family. I'm deeply risking losing that momentum and steam. And they fall into the, okay, I want you to help me with that, but I'm too busy. Like I, I can't seem to find the capacity for that. So what is this going to take me 10 years? Like, what does this look like? Can you speak to that? Cause you also talk about the idea of focusing more on outcomes versus, mm -hmm. you know, the output. And I think that this is directly correlated to that. Like the too busy BS that we kind of feed ourselves. And I've fallen into that trap too, where I'll just yeah, say, we all do. Yeah. I know I should be doing this, but I'm too busy. I don't have the capacity right now. I'll have to get to that later. So we break that down a little bit for us. Yeah. I, I think first and foremost, it, you know, it goes back to that conditioning. You know, if you don't do this, then this is going to happen. 
if you, you know, that's what we're, fear is a powerful brand, right? And, and everyone from schools to society, to parents, to teachers, to, to bad bosses use fear to condition us, right? If you don't do this, then you're going to get this. You know, you listen to the Grant Cardones of the world. If you don't work 24 hours a day, then you won't be successful. If you're not absolutely obsessed, then you won't be successful. And that's why a lot of people fit three hours of work into a 15 hour day, right? Because they clog their day with the inputs. You have to, you, you, so we talked about vision. You define that vision. It's hard to do. You know, some people do it easier than others. And then you take that vision and you reverse engineer it so that every year, every month, every week, every day, you know the outputs, the outcomes you need to achieve to move yourself toward that vision. But you have to reverse engineer down to the day. And when you do that versus I'm going to go here and I'm just going to start throwing stuff against the wall and hoping it gets me where I'm going, when you reverse engineer it, and you connect those dots moving backwards, you realize that 70% of the inputs that you're doing are BS. Right. Because I, I talk to a lot of people, you got to do this. You have to do that. You got to do, well, why do I have to do that? Because I read you have to do that. Because so-and-so said you had to do that. Because it's the way it's always been done. Like if that's your answer, there's a good chance it's not conducive to you doing it. I mean, even, you know, things like branding, you know, entrepreneurs look for the next trend in, on LinkedIn and this, and you would look at all these LinkedIn people and they would have you believe that the key to being successful on LinkedIn is sitting around all day, responding to every single comment, getting into it in the comments because it's about relationship. And really what they're trying to do is justify the fact that they're wasting four hours a day messing around in the comments, trying to get likes and views. Now that this is regarding branding. But that's it. Oh, I got to do that. I got to do that. I got to do that. And after three years, there was all these people who came in. I started when LinkedIn video had just started. And there was all these people and they're all oh, this and that. I'd say like 10% of them are left hmm. because they, they thought that was a key. They thought putting videos on LinkedIn was a business and they didn't build that strong foundation. And when you ask people, it's like, why should you do this? Why should I do this? Because it's awesome. This is awesome. It's like, no, like literally, why should I do this? I was on an online Q&A early last year and we were talking about the fact I said, listen, I, and use the word alignment, which I love because I, I can't stand the word balance. Mm. It's aligning the three facets of your life, your relationships, yourself, and your work. And I set a limit for myself. Do I go over it sometimes? Sure. But it's, this is my goal of working 12 to 14 hours a week on the high end. That's for me. I don't tell people, I'll have people email me and say, how can I work 12 to 14 hours a week? I'm like, well, no, I, that works for me. You know, if you're in the early stages, I don't care if you work 23 hours a week, you can work 23 hours a week and be in alignment. If you're not married, you don't have kids, whatever, you know, whatever works for you. But he said, if you only work 12 to 14 hours a week, this questioner, do you just waste away on the couch the rest of the day? He said, is that what you think I do? I said, my days are chock full. I'm not busy, but they're full because I'll work for three hours because I've defined three key outcomes. And then you know what I do? I get up, I shut my computer and I go, we homeschool our kids. I'll go and read to my kids or I'll go to the beach or my wife and I will go on a date or I go boxing in the middle of the day. You know, I take boxing classes and then I come back and I feel more refreshed. So when I tackle those three outcomes tomorrow, I have cl a clear vision of exactly what I have to do because I've reversed engineered it. But a lot of people haven't defined the things outside of work that they would actually do. And so when I suggest like go on a date with your significant other, what? what? We can't do that. Well, why? You know, you can create anything you want. And so it's alignment. It's not balance. It's reverse engineering. So you can connect those dots, but it's also 
identifying those things outside of work that give you fulfillment and time blocking those as much as you time block your work each day. Definitely. And also having, I guess, the awareness or understanding that you need to have that vision and like you said, reverse engineer it, which means building a business that supports the vision you have for your life. Like if your vision and you have people asking you, how do I work 12 hours a week? Well, are you building a business that is going to support that vision you have for your life? It's not going to happen overnight. I'm guessing when you started your business, you weren't working 12 hours a week. Oh, exactly. But you had that vantage point of like, okay, that's where I want to go. I'm going to continually support that vision now, even though I can't live it yet. I'm going to be doing things, creating things, making passive income streams, making sure that all the work that I'm doing today is ultimately getting me where I want to go, which is what people don't connect that. Like it's fluid. You can't compartmentalize like the vision, the goals, the life you live, the business you build. Like they're not all separate entities. How do they all live in harmony to make sure that you actually ultimately get what you want? Because otherwise it's just this constant disappointment because your expectations are here, but your actions are here and they don't, they're not in alignment like we talked about. So I'm with you on that. And so as you coach people in this space, where do you start with them? Like for the people listening in and they're like, okay, I want to, I want to go back to the drawing board and make sure that I start to implement some of the things that Kurt's talking about. What would be some of the first things that you'd have them do? If their goal is building a business or scaling a business, if their goal is building a better life, right? If their goal is building a better brand, I have five pillars that I work with. I actually have a book, Five Pillars of the Freedom Lifestyle. But I apply these five pillars to anything, business, life, you know, the work, family, self. The first pillar is superpowers. I'm a Gallup certified strengths trainer. We take that assessment to discover what your God-given talents are. Now, when I say talents, I'm not talking about things like I play the piano well, right? Or I sing. Those are actually skills. Your talents are things like I'm an activator. I'm more of a deliberator. I'm more of a strategic thinker. I'm more tactical. I'm more of a relationship builder versus an executor. And you find out those talents, you know, the great Peter Drucker said, most people think they know what they're good at. Most people are wrong. Yet we can only operate at our optimum from a position of strength. So a a lot of people I run into say, yeah, I'm great at this. I'm great at this. They're totally wrong. They've been told they're supposed to be good at that. So they're not working in their strength zone. So you take those talents, you combine them with your skills and you turn them into strengths. And then you use those every day, you come with a a sense of passion, you turn them into superpowers. And that's where, I use the example, when I do workshops, I'll ask, you know, who here played softball or baseball? Someone will raise their hand. And a woman will raise her hand, yeah, I played softball. What did you do? I pitched. Were you right-handed or left-handed? I was right-handed. Okay, what if at the beginning of the season, your manager came up to you and said, we're gonna gonna try something different. We're gonna have you pitch left-handed this year. Oh, that'd be horrible. I'd suck. It wouldn't be as fun. I said, exactly. Often we force ourselves to pitch left-handed if we're right-handed. Whether you can, you're right-handed or left-handed, that's your talent. Whether you can throw a baseball, that's a skill. You combine the two, you turn them into strength. You go to practice every day. You're excited. You show up. There's superpowers. You get in that superpower zone. Number two is vision. You know, we've talked about vision. What's that guiding star? I like to say that vision pairs your purpose for living with the impact you want to make on the world. And that impact could be to your family, it could be to your community, it could be to your work, whatever it is, whatever you want to do, you have that sense of intrinsic motivation, not extrinsic motivation, where you're doing what you think you're supposed to be doing based on what someone else said. It's intrinsically pulling you forward, which is so much stronger than being pushed by someone else to find that vision, that guidepost. Three is alignment. We've already talked about alignment, aligning the three facets of your life in a way that works for you. And then outcomes. 
where you reverse engineer that vision and become radically outcomes focused. But one important piece of this is you can become radically outcomes focused, but not obsessed with the results. You can become detached from the results. And as an example of that, and this took me a long time to figure out because I would get obsessed with the results. When I ran cross country in high school, in practice, I'd be up in the lead group. I could go on 15 mile runs like, and lose myself. It was almost like a form of meditation and bliss. Right? You get in that state of flow where you don't even know what's going on. But I'd get in competition and people would say, well, he choked. I would choke. I wouldn't even get top seven on my team. The same people I was destroying in practice. My times in practice were much better than they were in competition. Why? Because I got obsessed by the results. Rather than saying, hey, I'm going to do exactly what I did at practice. My outcome is going to be getting in that state of bliss, getting in that state of flow, running the best race I could. I was focused on time, place, medal. And what would happen? When that happens, you almost go into fight or flight. The cortisol courses through your veins. You tense up. And that's why a lot of people, going back to the hustle and grind pornographers, they say well, that's what you do. So you sit at your desk and you tense up. So you're less creative. You know, you're, you're less happy. You're less fulfilled. So it's about becoming radically outcomes focused, but detached from the results. And then the fifth is flow. Getting in that state of flow. It's the cumulative effect. Um, Mihai Csikszentmihalyi wrote the great book, Flow, uh, in the early 90s about how to get in that state of optimal experience. And he writes about these things about knowing, having clear guideposts that you know you have to do to win the day. So we have already talked about outcomes, moving you toward your vision. We know Gallup has studied when you're in your strength zone, things come easier to you. If you're, if you're right-handed and you're pitching left-handed, is that more of a grind or more flow? Certainly more of a grind. So why would you want to do that? So you, you add all those up, you get in that state of flow and you're happier, you're more fulfilled, you're looser, you're more creative because things are coming to you because you're not in constant fight or flight mode, which is not only bad for your mental health, it's bad for your physical health. So we start with superpowers and work that process all the way down. Yeah, I, that's one of my favorite books. I've read it many times and it made such an impact in my life. And you talk about something that I preach on all the time, so many similarities of you know working with someone. There are certain tasks or activities or things you have to do to get to your goals or to your vision. And you have to be so fiercely committed to the things that are required to get the result, but emotionally detached from the result and yes. eyes up always just enough to see the vision. Because then when you get the crappy results, which is going to happen, people are going to say, no, you're going to pitch someone and they're going to ignore you, whatever the thing is that applies to your business. But if your eyes are up enough to see the vision, you know why you're going to keep showing up for it. You understand yeah. and you feel you feel emotionally connected to the vision, not the result. So I, I stand behind that completely. And that is like one of the core principles of what I teach. I love that we're on the same page with it. <laughs> and it's fun to hear, hear someone share it from a little bit of a different angle. These are kind of like the do's, right? You know, these mm -hmm. five pillars right off the top of your head. Like, what are some of the major don'ts? As you proceed through this process, don't keep doing this or stop thinking this way or stop right. doing this task, like whatever it is, because I think those are sometimes just as important because people will start to implement the do's while they still keep doing the don'ts. And it's like, sure. feels a little bit like a wash. Yeah. I, you know, one thing that comes to mind is when I had my PR and ad agency, my biggest pet peeve was people who put tactics ahead of strategy. You know, like I remember one client saying, what's our Google plus strategy? When like Google plus first came out and we know that like, I don't even think it exists anymore. And I said, why? And I just like asking the question, why? Like, what's it for? Why? I remember 
there was a, uh, we were doing a campaign and someone said, you got to put billboards on I-55. You got to put billboards on I-55. And in Illinois, I-55 through Illinois runs from Chicago to St. Louis. And it was a campaign that was targeting certain people in a county. We got to do it because such and such is on there. You know how many eyeballs hit it? I said, okay, but we're targeting people in the county. How many of those people seeing it are from St. Louis or from Missouri who are driving through Illinois? Oh, and of those people, how many people are in our target market to do this? And then you, you keep reverse engineering and asking the why, but people just like to throw stuff against the wall to see what sticks. I had lunch the other day with someone who was trying to figure out what business he should start. And he's like, well, I'm really good at this. And I think I'm going to do this. And that sounds good. And I said, well, I can't answer that question, whether it's a good idea or not. What's your vision? Like, where do you want to go with your life? And he said, oh yeah, that's important. But what do you think about this? What do you think about this? There's people who will just reject trying to find the vision because Dr. Joe Dispenza, I don't know if you're familiar with him, but I am, yeah. Neuroscientist, you know, he talks about the fact that so many people define themselves by memories of the past instead of that vision of the future. And the reason they do that is because the memories are attached to emotions. If it's a traumatic memory, and defining trauma, there's really bad trauma, and there's some trauma like I, I tried this and it didn't work and I felt really bad that day. It's hard to think about. Because those thoughts become things, because when you think about a bad event and something that happened in the past, what happens? It triggers that emotion, which is a chemical reaction in you, which could be cortisol, right? So if you think about a really bad situation, you get that drop in your stomach, your thought's an actual thing, because then what happens? You're not going to take action on that. So your thought has become an actual thing, even if it's a non-thing. And so garbage thoughts in equal garbage results out. And so the reason we don't want to really think about our vision is because maybe sometimes in the past we've gone in the direction of wanting to do what we wanted and it didn't work out or someone slapped us down or we tried something. It didn't work right away. We felt really bad. We had a lean month finance wise. And so now we have that memory that has the emotion attached to it. And what you said was exactly important. And Dr. Joe says this, when you detach the emotion from the memory, then you have wisdom. So right. the memory is a learning piece of learning versus something that triggers this emotional response that is fight or flight because your body is always going to lean toward survival. And there's so many people that cannot give themselves permission to sit down and define that vision. So one of the don'ts is tactics before it. And the do's are every single morning, wake up, go on Dr. Joe's website. He's got a great meditation, right? Don't think about your to-dos for the day. Don't think about your tasks for the day. Literally sit in the quiet. I mean, maybe put on some music if you want. Get up. I mean, I'm talking an hour or two so you don't feel rushed. And think about, allow your body and your mind to go into that vision that makes you fulfilled and happy. I, I tell people like, listen, if your plane, if, you, if the pilot announced that your plane was about to go down and you start thinking, oh my gosh, I had always wanted to do this and I didn't do this. I had always wanted to tell such and such this. I wanted to, what are all those things? Write them down. Every day, meditate on that. Make that future so clear that it creates an emotion in you. So it's like you've almost been there. So you've tricked your body into thinking, I've already been there. So then you attach your memory to the right emotion, and then you can get there. So you're defined by that versus my to-do and my task because I'm afraid because one year I did this and I went lean for that month. And so now it's made me scared and I'm gun shy and now I'm fearful and all that. So strategy before tactics, but as part of that strategy, it's got to be forward looking. Meditate on your vision, define it every single day. Yeah, I'm so with you on that. And <laughs> this has been so amazing because this topic or these topics 
are what I get asked about the most. They're what people are struggling with the most. They're what I see people commenting in our communities and writing in for information on the podcast. It's deeply affecting them. It's not just affecting the output and what's happening in their business. It's affecting them emotionally, mentally. So I'm so glad you came on to talk through this with us. And Thanks for having me on. Yeah, my pleasure. And I'm going to link in the show notes for everyone listening. You can snag Kurt's first chapter of his book for free. So I'm going to drop that in the show notes. And I think our community will really appreciate that. You are a gift. Keep doing what you're doing. Thank you. Likewise. Yeah, I'm just grateful that you came on and shared your wisdom with everybody. So thanks again, Kurt. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. And, and, And to your point, I had a business coach when I built my PR and ad agency and he helped me build the nuts and bolts and the dollars. And we grew the heck out of that thing. We never talked about mindset. We never talked about any of the things we're talking about today. He still cannot understand why I shut down the business. He just can't fathom it because to him, it's a balance sheet. It's very simple. And that's the way a lot of people are taught, which is exactly why they get these problems, which is exactly why your clients are like, please help me here because no one has helped them with that. So thank you for doing what you do. Yeah, I appreciate you. Thanks so much for hanging out with me today. Before you go, make sure you take a minute to subscribe to the show so you don't miss out on all of those amazing fromies, freebies for my homies, obviously, and content that we're creating just for you. And if you like today's episode, can you help us out and help us get this in the hands of more people by taking a screenshot of today's episode and sharing it with your friends, tagging me, passing it around on social media. Guys, we've got to get this mission and this movement out there to more people so that they are living their purpose and living out their dreams and getting paid for it well too. I'm also so thankful for all of the amazing feedback we've been getting in the reviews. So if this podcast is helping you grow, take a second and go review us on iTunes and be sure to check out today's show notes for more details and takeaways from the show. Until next week, guys, keep scaling up.